0: My son, Luke, has started uh, travel basketball, and so our lives during the week have practices. On the weekends, we have lots of games, and recently, we've been in a lot more drive throughs than we usually are, and uh, we have interesting experiences in the drive thru Some of them are great, some of them a little bit aggravating. The other day, we had had practice, and I was uh, taking Luke through a drive-thru to get some food, and... He ordered a meal I would eaten earlier, so I just needed something. I wanted a milkshake. It had been a hard day. I'd just been looking forward to a strawberry milkshake and placed Luke's food order. And then I you know, said, I'd like a strawberry milkshake. And then the response was, the milkshake machine's broken. Right? No, hey, I'm sorry, the milkshake machine's broken. No sign on the, the drive-thru thing that you talked to. No, uh, by the way, we had these other desserts. Just the milkshake machine is broken. Okay, okay, give them some peace, right? Well, the other night, we're coming also out of a practice at a different location. No, it's a different place, right? There's other competition, right, who maybe can do this. We, we got up. It's about 8.15 or so, and uh, we were hungry. We're both going to order a meal that time. There are a couple of cars in front of us. We finally get to our turn to, to make the order. And then immediately when we, we drive up, the little speaker's right there and, and says, uh, we're closed. Like, it's 8.15. You're supposed to be open to like 11 or so. Just, we're closed, right? No, I'm sorry we're closed. No, we ran out of food. Like, we, you know, there's a worker shortage. No sign on the thing where we could have just driven on by. Just, we're closed. No explanation, right? So, we, we go to the competition and, and do that thing. Uh, so, just, you know, some frustrating experiences happening like that that we're just, we're having to deal with that. And then, then most recently, went to the drive-thru, placed the order. They said, you know, it's going to be 12 bucks or whatever. Drove up, uh, and the window opens, and just this hand comes out, wanting my credit card or my cash. Not a, hello, this calls 12 bucks. Thank you for, you know, eating here. Just a hand that comes out. And then uh, five minutes later, you know, two or three minutes later, boom, the, the credit card and the receipt come back out just this glum face, right? Like, no, hey, thanks for eating here. Glad you're here. Hope you'll come back again. Right, so I'm not sure what's going on, but it's it's been very irritating. Maybe it's God's way of saying, "Don't eat so much fast food, Pastor Kyle," or expose your son Luke to that. But uh, just like these little pebbles, right, being thrown at me, and I don't know if you experience that in drive-thrus or other places in your life, where just like some of the small things annoy you. Right, we're in this message series. We're talking about forgiveness. Right? And to offer forgiveness, we have to have things that happen to us that, that offend us. Right? So I think those of us in person can understand that. I think those of you watching online, there are things in our lives that, that offend us. And we've, we've been studying, uh, based on a book by Pastor Adam Hamilton, it's a great book, Forgiveness. If you want to pick that up, I'd highly recommend that. But there's this image of, of throwing rocks at each other. Right That in our lives, we harm each other, and just to think of that kind of as a metaphor of throwing rocks at each other. sometimes we we do small things against each other. It's like throwing little pebbles at each other, like the like the drive through experiences that I've had, right. And, and those pebbles, right, might not hurt one on one, but the more pebbles you collect in your backpack, what happens, the heavier. That backpack gets, and the more stress you get. But it, it's not just the small rocks, right? There's some medium sized rocks that we hurl at each other, right? Insults and, and nasty things that we say or, or do to each other. And, and our backpack begins to get heavier with those sized rocks. And then there are those large rocks, right? Like boulder sized, terrible things that we do to each other. And so we've been really wrestling with how do we right, do this? How do we deal with forgiveness? We, our backpacks pretty soon get very heavy and they weigh us down. And we carry a lot of grudges and a lot of anger and a lot of resentment to the people who are throwing rocks at us. And we want to know how we can release that. How can we let go of the backpack, take some of the load off because we feel burdened and bitter and stressed in our lives. And today we're going to continue that discussion. we're going to talk in general terms about how we can forgive people in our lives, family members and friends and even strangers or people that work in drive-thrus who are unfriendly with us. And, and I just imagine, I invite you to think about who are the people in your life right now that have hurt you, right? Maybe thrown the pebbles at you, thrown some medium-sized rocks, launched a boulder, right, with, at you or whatever, the catapult, right? What's the resentment that you brought to the room today? What resentment are you harboring in your home as you're watching online today? Who are the people that are just really heavily weighing you down by what they've done to you? And how do we release that? Because I think that's what we want, right? I think that's what God wants is for us to release that and to lighten the load and to and to be able to, to be at peace in our lives and to live life to the full. And so we'll talk about that today. And I want to start off with some of the words of Jesus directly, right? Go to the source. And so he's with his disciples, his 12 disciples, and And Peter's like the lead disciple. And evidently, Peter has been aggravated by somebody. Maybe it's Judas or Matthew or or James and John have gotten on his nerves. And and Peter wants to know, right, what he needs to do to forgive. And so we're going to pick up the story today in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. I'm thinking guessing Peter's taking the high road, right? I'm talking to Jesus, God, son of God, God himself, right? Maybe I'll put on a, you know, a good smile. These guys are driving me crazy. How many times should I forgive them? Once, twice, as many as seven times, Jesus, you know, maybe wanting a pat on the back. Hey, hey, Peter, that's, that's very gracious of you. This is what Jesus says. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven, I don't know about you. That's, that's one of the hardest verses to read in scripture, Right? Don't just forgive them seven times, but 70 times seven. Right? What's 70 times seven? 490? Right? Could you imagine forgiving somebody literally 490 times that has harmed you? Right? That's difficult. That's challenging. I think Jesus doesn't even mean 490. I think that's a, it's a it's hyperbole. Like it's, a, it's a way of speech. I think it's Jesus saying, forgive people as many times as you need to forgive them. There's no limit to it. Right? There's no cap on forgiveness. Right? I'm about grace. I'm about forgiveness. That's why I came. If I can forgive you, then I expect you to have unlimited forgiveness for other people. And again, I wrestle with this. It raises a lot of questions in my mind as a person, even as a follower of God. Are you serious? If somebody keeps wronging me 490 times, I'm supposed to keep forgiving them? Because I have a lot of questions that come from that, and we're going we're gonna to get to those in just a moment. But I invite you now, though, maybe to think through a strategy. If we are going to forgive people multiple times, what does that look like? What do we need to do? What are some strategies that we can do? Right, I want to give you a, an acronym, RAP, R-A-P, and, and this is something maybe we can think about. Right, The R stands for remember your shortcomings. Right? When somebody does something wrong to you, right, remember that you're not perfect. Right? When I've been to drive through and getting irritated by these folks that are like throwing these little pebbles at me, Right? I, I, if I stop and think, I've had a bad day sometimes in my life. Right? I, I, I have to deliver disappointing news to somebody, and sometimes I don't do that with the grace that I need to. Right? Milkshake machine's broken. I'm so sorry that we have this dessert. You know, sometimes I deliver bad news, and I don't do that well. Right? And so maybe I need to give them a break because I'm not always the best at doing that either. Right? The next thing is A, assume the best of the person who slighted you. Right? Look at the person, right? They made me mad. They did something wrong to me, right? But, but there's got to be something good going on in their life, right? Maybe this is just the, the one time I caught them on a, on a bad moment, right? The, the person who just stuck out their hand at the end of the day, they didn't even say, thanks for coming. Uh, you know, it costs this much money. I hope you come back. Just stuck out the hand for the money and gave me the receipt just brusquely, like they didn't want me there, right? Maybe they got some bad news. Maybe somebody in their family got sick. Maybe uh, their kid's flunking out. You know, something's going on maybe that I don't understand. So assume the best of the person who's there. Maybe they're a good person just not having a good day, right? And maybe it helps us understand how to to be more graceful. And then finally, pray, right? P, pray for them. R-A-P, right? Pray for them. Because right? usually when someone throws rocks at us or pebbles or stones or, or they're chucking rocks at us, right, that's the last thing we do, right? We're we're cussing them out in person. We're cussing them out in our mind. We're wishing things would very bad would happen to them. And so prayer sometimes takes the back seat, other than prayers for vengeance. God, take them out, right? And so to pray for them, you know. And I stopped to think, how many times in my life have I been in a drive-through and said anything positive to the person that either took my order or gave me my food, right? How many times have I, have I said to them, thank you so much for what you do. I know it's probably a thankless job. You probably have a lot of stress. you got to get food out. you got to do it quickly. you got to do it without making mistakes. And you make it possible for me and my family who are going through a very stressful day to actually be able to eat today. And, and we might not have been able to do that without you. Do you know how many times I've said that to somebody in a drive-thru? Exactly zero times. That's a great pastor you guys have hired, right? <laughs> zero times being graceful to somebody, right? To say, hey, you're a human being and maybe you've got some stress in your life and maybe you need to hear a good word, right? So we remember our own shortcomings, right? We assume the best of the person that that has offended us and we pray for them and maybe try to see it through different eyes. Maybe that's a way we can begin to forgive somebody once, twice, seven times, 70 times, seven times, right? And, And maybe so. Maybe you're thinking, okay, that works for pebbles, right? The little stuff, right? Just the little nitpicky stuff that, that we need to let go of, but, you know, what about the bigger things, right? What, what about some of those medium-sized stones that, that we're throwing around at each other? What does that look like, right? Because I think about forgiving somebody who's, really, who's lied to me or, or cheated you know, me somehow been just really disrespectful to me and, and insulted me in person. Like, how do you forgive that more than once? How do you forgive that seven times or 490 times? And you know, I begin to have questions about that. Right? If, if I forgive them, what is that saying to them? What kind of message am I sending? So one of my questions is this. Is forgiving the same thing as condoning? Right? If I forgive you, does that mean that I, I support your behavior? Right? Does, if you've wronged me and I forgive you, does, is that me saying to you, well, that behavior wasn't as bad as it, as it really was? Right? I, it's okay that you did that to me. Right? Does it mean that we condone the behavior of someone that we forgive, right? You chuck the rock at me. Hey, don't worry about it. it, it it's okay. It, it, it didn't mean anything, right? I don't think so, right? I think we can forgive someone, right? Release the bitterness that we have for them, release the desire for revenge, whatever it is to, to forgive them in our hearts, but we can still hold them accountable. Say, I, I do forgive you, but I want you to know that what you did was wrong and it hurt me and it should not happen again. Right? So when we forgive somebody, it doesn't say that what they did to us uh, wasn't painful or that it was right. right. We can say, yeah, I do forgive you. I'm ready to release that. But again, you need to know that really hurt my feelings, and, and that, that, that's not okay. I'm able to forgive you, but we can't repeat the behavior. So I don't think that forgiveness condones bad behavior. Right? Another question that I wrestle with is this. Does forgiving dismiss the consequences? If I forgive you for something that you did that's wrong to me, does that take away any consequence in your life, right? Because when we go to God and we ask God to forgive us, one of the things that God does is God takes away the consequences of guilt and shame, which is great, right? We all want to be relieved of those consequences of guilt and shame, right, these eternal kind of consequences, right? He also forgives us, right, of the the, the consequence of death and hell, right, brokenness, all that kind of stuff. So God forgives us of a lot. He takes away these consequences, but there's still earthly consequences that we still have to take, right? So forgiving someone doesn't necessarily take away that there are consequences for our actions. For example, if your child does something wrong, breaks the rules of the house, they get grounded... Right? That's a consequence. If they later truly come to you and say, I'm sorry for what I did, mom or dad. I was wrong. I know I was wrong. And will you forgive me? Right, And I hope that the mom and dad would say, absolutely. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for saying that. I absolutely forgive you. Right, And then the child might be tempted to ask, well, am I still grounded? And the answer would be yes, you still grounded, right? We forgive. We release. We let go of the burden. We let go of all that stuff. But there's still earthly consequences that we do have to face, right? So that's a part of it. I think I shared with you all last week that when I was in college that uh, I was dating this woman that I really liked a lot and uh, ends up, right, she broke up with me and went out with my best friend. In fact, they started going out before they even told me uh, that there was going to be a breakup, right? And I I felt really betrayed by that, and that hurt me a great deal. Right, that's that's a painful thing to have to go through in life, and I was eventually able to forgive them. It took me some time to get there, Uh, and when I did forgive them, and and you know happy for them, they ended up getting married and having children, and you know living happily ever after, all that kind of stuff. I did too on the other side of that, but when I was able to forgive them, the friendship didn't resurface. We were able to be cordial to each other, but I wasn't able to trust them anymore. Uh, I, I had been burned. I was able to release that bitterness and that pain, but we just naturally didn't stay friends. And so that was a consequence, right? And so, able to find forgiveness. Now, I will tell you that when I first saw them, like a few years after we'd gotten out of college and they'd gotten married, and, you know, it did not break my heart to see that my former best friend had gained a little weight and gone prematurely bald, right? <laughs> so, uh, but I'm over it. I, I'm over it but we can forgive and still hold people accountable and there's still consequences, right? Another really challenging question, I think, that I I wrestle with, maybe you do too. Do we forgive someone who uh, has done something serious and who's not repented or asked for forgiveness? Do we forgive people who don't ask for forgiveness? Do we forgive people who don't say they're sorry? Do we forgive people who they're never going to say they're sorry and they're not sorry? Repent means to turn around, right? To have a change of mind, to have a change of heart, to have a change of behavior. Are we supposed to forgive people who have done horrible things to us, harmful things to us, pebbles, medium-sized rocks, big boulders, and they don't want our forgiveness. They're not looking for it. Are we supposed to still forgive them? And this answer is complicated. It's a yes and a no answer. I think the yes answer is, yes, we do need to let that go. We need to let go of our bitterness. We need to let go of the desire for justice or revenge and turn that over to God and let God handle that. We've got to turn over the part of just holding that grudge inside of us that eats us up, and they're not even aware of that. I read this quote from one of my favorite writers, Anne Lamott. This is what she says about it. Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. When we hold the grudge, when we hold the bitterness, and we're trying to teach the person a lesson who harmed us, it doesn't do that, right? For the most part, they've gone on with their life, they're doing their thing. If they don't care, right? When we're holding on to that and harboring that grudge, the one that we're hurting the most is us. Right? We're drinking spiritual poison, right? We're drinking the rat poison, the, the rat's running around doing their thing. We're, we're doing that, right? And so forgiveness is a gift for someone else, but it's also very much a gift for ourselves. We've got to learn how to let go of that, right? And it, it's hard. We need God. We need the Holy Spirit. We need time. We need the RAP process. We need to pray for it, right? All that kind of stuff. But at some point, the only person that we're hurting, really, in the end, by not forgiving, is, is ourselves. We're imprisoning ourselves, right? And so, yes, we do need to forgive people who don't ask for it and who don't deserve it and who don't repent because it's a gift to ourselves. Right? We release ourselves from a certain type of prison. Right? Well, right? Well, what about outwardly, right? Do, do we need to tell somebody, hey... You hardened me, I've forgiven you, right? You might not want my forgiveness, but but you have my forgiveness. Do, at what point do we do that in life? And this is where people have different opinions, right? Christians have different opinions. Some people would say, right, we don't want to forgive somebody outwardly too soon, right? And just let me give you an example of this. You, you think about um, somebody uh, who has, has like killed somebody, right? in life. Like, it's, it's terrible. You, you know, we talked about earlier how the pebbles add up in our backpacks, you know, like, and they start weighing us down. And, you know, I think things come from that. But did you see last month, like in California, uh, there was a road rage, road rage incident where like these this couple, like a couple were in their 20s, and they had road rage, uh, and they shot a gun at a car beside them, and it had a mom who was driving her six-year-old son to school, and it shot and killed the son, right? Because... I don't know why they did that. Uh, it was a road rate incident. Maybe all those pebbles and rocks had been weighing them down, and, and they snapped, and they just did this. But, but in that case, right, like, is that mom going to be able to forgive them quickly? Probably not the best thing to do, right? We all need to take some time with that. And, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about, like, uh, Adam Hamilton wrote in his book about this one um, shooting, a school shooting, and a uh, high school student walked into the school carried a gun, shot and killed three of his classmates and sent four others to the hospital. Uh, And a couple of days later, you know how the media is all, you know, covering the school and all that. And some of the other students in the school had held up a sign that says, you know, had the kid's name and says, we forgive you. Right. A couple of days later, which that's admirable, right? That's Christ-like. It's godly. But some people would say that's probably too soon because this young man who did that, he really needs to to know that it's wrong. He really needs to wrestle with that. He needs to feel guilt, right? Guilt can be a bad thing, but it can also be a good thing. We, we, We need to realize we've done wrong. And, you know, sometimes it takes guilt to get us on the right path. You remember sin, doing the wrong thing is getting off the path, right? Sometimes feeling guilty is what brings us back onto the right path. We talked about repentance, right, to, to have a change of mind, to have a change of heart. Do you remember the, the things we talked about? There's kind of a, a progression. You know, first of all, to repent, you need to be aware that you hurt somebody, right? You need to be aware that you hurt somebody, and you should have regret for that, right? And that's what guilt does. Guilt makes us aware that we hurt somebody. It helps us regret what we've done, right? Sometimes guilt can be good, right? And from that, then we confess. We say to someone, I'm sorry, I understand I hurt you in a terrible way, right? And then from that, we change, right? We change our heart, we change our mind, we change our behavior. So if we rush, if we rush forgiveness sometimes, we might let somebody off the hook from awareness and and regret too soon. Um, This is hard, right? And I think you you have to be genuine about it. And then to make it harder, right? Jesus kind of turns this upside down, right? when he was being killed on the cross, right, being crucified on the cross, do you remember what he said to God, one of the last words that he said? He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Jesus, right, in the worst moment of his entire existence is being nailed to a cross for something that he didn't do. And he's saying, God, Father, forgive them, right? The people that have me on this cross, forgive them, because they don't know what they do, right? They weren't asking for his forgiveness. They weren't feeling guilty about it, right? But Jesus still felt that he should forgive them. And from that, I'm sure that people heard that and they repented and they asked for forgiveness. I know that some of us read that in the Bible and we know that Jesus died for us too, and we read that and it moves us to 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 feel bad and to ask for God's forgiveness, right? So so sometimes we do grant forgiveness soon and sometimes we don't, right? I wish I had an easier answer, just doing life together is messy and it's hard. And I think we just need to be genuine about our own time frame of where that is and really invoke the Holy Spirit into that and to have Christian conversations with other people. And so do we forgive people who don't ask for it, who don't repent? The answer is yes and no, right? And the no is just depending on timing. So we wrestle with this. But ultimately, what's the goal? The goal is reconciliation, to be made right with people, right? And so I want us to turn back to the Bible now, to Jesus' words, as he helps us think through how can we be reconciled to other people. And we're going to start with how can we be reconciled with people that we've hurt, right? There's somebody somewhere in the world right now, this week, who's wearing a backpack, and they've got a rock with your name on it that you threw at them. You've hurt them. You've harmed them. Your name's on that rock. It might be a pebble, it might be a middle, middle-sized rock, it might be a boulder, right? Somebody somewhere right now has a rock in their backpack because you have hurt them, right? How do we deal with that? This is what Jesus says, right? Because the goal is reconciliation. Jesus is talking to people as they're getting ready to go to worship. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift you coming to worship, and you think about, wow, I hurt somebody. I threw a rock at somebody. Somebody's got a rock in their backpack because of me. God says, don't even worship, right? Go back, make things right with them, uh, and then come back and worship, right? And we think about that, and that, that's hard. That sounds really hard to do, right? But in Jesus's day, it was even harder because to take an offering to the altar, right? There was only one altar in all of the country. It was in the city of Jerusalem in the temple, right? And so to travel to Jerusalem to do this, most people would take them a week or 10 days, right? It'd be like us saying, if you want to worship God, you've got to go to the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C., right? And, uh, and so Jesus said, if you travel 10 days to get here and you're not right with somebody, go back home 10 days, make things right, and then come back another 10 days, right? It's a 30-day journey, right? That's serious, right? Was Jesus being literal about that or was it being, you know, figurative? I'm not sure, but I think what he's saying is that our relationships with each other affect our relationship to God. Our relationships with each other affect our relationship with God, right? If something's wrong between us and another person, that's gonna come between us and God as well. And so God wants us to try to do our very best to reconcile with the person that we've hurt. So maybe, maybe your message today from the Bible, from the scripture, from this message is, have you harmed someone? And if you know there's something broken between you, God might be calling you to reach out to them and to try to make things right. Maybe that's your message today. Well, what about the people who've hurt us, who've chucked rocks at us, who've chucked rocks in our backpack, and we've got their name on our rocks carrying that around. What does God want us to do about that? We go back to the words of Jesus, still in the Gospel of Matthew, this time in uh, chapter 18. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. I love this. Just between the two of you. Don't go on social media and insult them. Don't go to your your friends and gossip behind their back, right? Light them up on the phone line or the text line or whatever it is, right? Go to the person one-on-one. That's hard. I get it. That is hard, right? Go to the person just between two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over, right? And you guys are reconciled. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses, right? Peter, if you get hurt by Judas... Right, take James and John with you. Try to have a conversation. We're Christian brothers together, Christian brothers and sisters together. Right, let's work this out, right? There's there's some there's, there's brokenness here, we want to work that out. Right? If they still refuse to listen, then tell it to the church. Now that's pretty dang intimidating, right? anyone want to come up here and we'll work on that for well, right now. We can take care of it. No, just kidding. Uh but you gotta remember, like in Jesus' day, like his circle was You know, it was small, it was sparse, right? And so this is like the 12 disciples probably coming together, right? Just a bigger group of people to try to help the two work it out, right? If they refuse to listen, even to the church, the, the bigger group of gathering, then treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector, right? Some people translate that as kick them out of the church, right? Excommunication. I'm not sure that it goes that far. I think it's like you might strip them of some responsibilities or some of the communal standing, Because Jesus still loved pagans, he loved tax collectors, and he still hung out with them, right? Right? So things are broken, we're not going to allow you to do certain things in the church, but you're still loved, but we need you to reconcile with this person, right? And the goal is reconciliation. So maybe your message today, right? If someone has hurt you, someone has done harm to you, someone's thrown a rock at you, you're carrying that grudge around, maybe the message for you today is that maybe you need to reach out to them and say, I'm not sure if you're aware, but... My feelings are hurt, they were hurt by you, and this is why, and I'd like for us to try to work this out together. Maybe that's the message that God has for you today. Is your name on a rock, or does someone else have a rock uh, in your backpack with their name on it? Goals reconciliation, right? Now, what about the big boulders, right? The big sins. We talked about adultery last week. We talked about shooting and murder, right? Bad things that we do to each other. I think the same principles apply I think it just, you have to factor in a ton of time, right? I was reading about this father whose son was killed by his, his other son's roommate, right, in college, right? So one son had a roommate and he killed, shot and killed the, the other guy's brother, right? And so the father, years later, right, Christian man trying to follow Jesus, have you forgiven the man, the young man who killed your son? Yes and no. I'm in the process of forgiving him. I've forgiven him somewhat, and I'm still in that process. And describe the, describe the, the forgiveness kind of like if you can envision a boulder, a huge boulder, right? Like you're chiseling away a little bit every day, right? God, help me forgive. God, help me let go. It's going to take a long time. This is a big sin. This is a big boulder, right? It's not just going to be, hey, Pastor Kyle got dissed at the Burger King, you know, drive-thru, right? This is the big boulder, right? It's going to take a lot of chipping and a lot of Holy Spirit and a lot of forgiving. It's the same principle. But the point still is to release that and to have that reconciliation. So what What's the point? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? Today, this is what I think it is. Forgiveness isn't a reward for those who deserve it. Because none of us deserve it, right? Forgiveness is not a reward for those who deserve it. It's a gift for those who are damaged without it. Forgiveness is a gift for those who are damaged without it. Who is damaged without forgiveness? Every one of us. We all need healing. We all are broken. And we all need reconciliation. Forgiveness is not a reward for those who deserve it. It's a gift for those who were damaged without it. So is there someone that you need to go and apologize to, to to repent of, of things? Is there someone that has harmed you and you need to try and go and let them know that things need to be made right, right? And again, practical things that you can do this week. I would invite you to think of one person that things are not right with, right? Remember the the rat right? Remember your own uh, transgressions, right? Uh, And and then uh, assume the best of that person and then pray for them, right? Try to release, right? Remember, stop drinking the rat poison, never drink any rat poison, but release the spiritual poison, right? With the hopes of reconciling. And I'll close today again by going back to those hard words of Jesus where he said not seven times, but 70 times seven, right? It's very hard to forgive someone 490 times, isn't it? Think about that, 490 times. But think about it in this way, right? If God forgave you for one thing every day, right? If God, if you did something wrong in your life, you needed God's forgiveness once a day, right? I don't know about you, but I need God to forgive me more than once a day. I I do things more than once a day, right? If God forgave you one sin every day for 490 days, you know how long that would be? A year and four months, Suddenly, 490 is not a big number to me because I've lived longer than a year and four months. Everyone in this room has lived more than a year and four months. If God only forgave us of the sins up to age one and a half, we'd be all doomed, right? But God keeps forgiving us beyond the 490. Every day, every day, every day. God's forgiveness and grace to us is unlimited. And if God's forgiveness to us is unlimited then our forgiveness to others is expected to be in the same place. Thanks be to God that he forgives us an unlimited amount. And it makes sense that he asks us to forgive those who have harmed us. Forgiveness is not a reward for those who deserve it. It's a gift for those who are damaged without it. We are all damaged without forgiveness. So let us truly receive that forgiveness of God and let us offer it to those in our lives who have harmed us. And we will find life to the full in Jesus. In the holy name of Christ, we pray, amen. With forgiveness and grace in your hearts and joy that God is so good, I invite you to stand and sing our closing song together.